This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad. But not for your ears. For your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is our View of the Opposition show. As I talk to a supporter that supports Foam's opposition for the upcoming match. This episode, I will once again be talking to Jamie Smith as he joined me back in August to preview the match at Craven Cottage against Burnley. I look forward to speaking to my guest, as always, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome him back to the show. Jamie, welcome back to Cottage Talk. Hi, Russ. How you doing? I am doing great. Look forward to talking to you about this upcoming match. It's a very nervy situation for Fulham supporters, I'm sure. Burnley supporters are are feeling some nerves too, but we will talk about both teams in this episode. But let's just start from the beginning. Give me just your overall view of Burnley's season so far. Yeah, obviously it's been it's been a really tough one for us after after last season was so good and finishing seventh and qualifying for Europe and it was a bit of a a thrill ride for a lot of last season. Some amazing results and some really great times. It's been a bit of a, a bump back down to earth this season. It's tricky to put our fingers on exactly what's gone wrong, but luckily in the last few weeks we seem to turn things around. Doctor Jamie, I'm sorry to break in. Do you think that hurt you? <clears throat> I think it's it's an obvious thing to point towards, and I think Dash himself has said that he thinks it probably did have an impact. Um, I think it's a bit cheap, though, to blame the Europa League. We were all desperate to get there at the end of the season when we'd well, when it was still in the balance, and we were just trying to get over the line. So to fight for something so hard and then complain yeah. that it made it a difficult season, I don't really like doing that. Um, but from my point of view, I think. 
the main impact that it had was that we just didn't really prepare for the season properly. We were still playing a lot of pre-season friendlies around our Europa League qualifiers. Obviously, our first game was, was in July. Whereas it, it seemed to me like we needed to to have pre-season almost completed by the time we played our first competitive game so we could have been ready to go straight away. Um, as it was, I think we were a little bit undercooked for the start of the Premier League season. We played a lot of matches, but some were competitive, some weren't. We didn't seem fully prepared to me. And I think probably the disappointment of missing out on the group stage had an impact on our form in the early weeks of the season as well. So a combination of things really, but certainly the Europa League was a factor. Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about the upticks recently for Burnley, three matches in a row that you've won two, obviously, in the league that are very important to what's going on with Burnley this season. So put your finger on why you've had this uptick. Well, there's been a massive change at the back. Boxing Day, we lost 5-1 at home to Everton. and It felt like that was a real sort of... um, a pivotal moment. There was talk, serious talk. Yeah, there was serious talk for the first time, I think, among supporters that maybe Daesh's future at the club wasn't as secure as everyone thought it was. Um, there was still a lot of people saying that we should keep him until the end of the season. If we go down, we go down. We'll trust him to bring us back up. But there was certainly a growing section of the fans who were starting to think that maybe he wasn't going to be capable of turning it around. Um Luckily, as we've seen in the last couple of games and in the cup match, the team seems to have found the the defensive resilience that sort of characterised our season last time out with keeping clean sheets again, two in the last three games. We conceded one against Huddersfield, we were caught more solid. We were conceding a lot of cheap goals. That Everton game it was 3 0 after 18 minutes, and Everton hadn't had to play that well to do that. Everton, the game before that, had conceded six against Spurs. We didn't record a shot until after half an hour in that game. It was really, really diabolical. Um, But sometimes you need to hit the absolute low point to be able to turn it around. Um, Some fans as well have pointed to our first promotion season under Dash. We had a similar defeat over the Christmas period that acted as a, a real moment that the squad bounced back from. And after that, we went 23 games unbeaten and won the title. Sorry, the second promotion season, not the first one. Got mixed up. Um, so I'm not saying we're going to go the rest of the season unbeaten, but there's a real hope that the Everton defeat really proved to be the, the nadir in our season and that now we're going to be on the up. Okay, so you look at your improvement in defence. Let's talk about the goalkeeper situation. You and I were talking about this off air. Has that been an effect as well? It's certainly been an effect. I mean, the Joe Hart situation, I could probably talk about this for the entire show because I've got really strong views <laughs> on it. Um, I think Dash was in a difficult situation. The Europa League game at Aberdeen, first competitive game of the season, Nick Pope dislocates his shoulder. He's going to be out for probably five, six months. And that's how long it's taken to get him back. Tom Heaton, around the same time, had a calf problem. So our two main goalkeepers, who everyone thought were going to battle for the gloves, suddenly both injured, not clear if they're going to be available for the start of the Premier League season. Heaton's also missed pretty much all of last season injured as well. So Dash obviously thinks, I need to get another body in. Joe Hart's available. He's settled in the local area. He's been at Man City for a long time, looking to prove himself. Proven quality back in the day, been in England's number one, won the Golden Glove in the Premier League three times, I think, won the Premier League titles. No doubt in Joe Hart's record. But the last couple of seasons, 
his form's fallen off a cliff, really, and he, he's been really poor. He lost his place at West Ham last season, for example. So I yeah. think it was a risk. However, it's fair to say that Hart's been one of our best players this season. This is the sort of... It's it's a difficult thing to reconcile that we've conceded so many goals, but Joe Hart has done quite well. Um, so my theory is that it's just had a, a bit of a destabilising impact on the team, having a different character at the back. They're not quite used to how Hart manages his back four. It's, it seems to have... It's been destabilising somehow. I also think there's possibly been a morale issue with the fact that Tom Heaton, he's the club captain, he's a local lad, massively popular with the fans, he's been at the club a long time, he's a local hero, really. The fact that Tom Heaton's not been playing, he's been in the media making it clear that he's not happy that he's not playing, not not whinging, but right. rightly saying that I'm a proven Premier League goalkeeper, I've been in England squads, I want to play, and if I'm not going to play, I want to leave. So I think it's been destabilising that Heaton's not played. He's obviously got allies in the squad. So when Dash made the decision to bring Heaton back for the West Ham game, after the Everton game where we conceded five, and it was the Everton game where it was the first time Hart had really been to blame. For me, probably three of the five goals Hart should have done better than it. And you can't be conceding three goals because the goalkeeper errors in one match. That's obviously farcical. Um, So he made that call. Hugely popular decision with the fans. West Ham were dreadful that day. We didn't have to play that well to win. But to get the clean sheet after making the change, he suddenly looked a lot more solid at the back. Heaton's organising the defence like we knew he can. The fans love that Heaton's back in goal. It really got the fans back on side. All the fans that were suddenly speculating about Nash not being the right man, they've gone quiet. I was starting to be one of them. I've gone quiet. I love that Heaton's back in the team. So it, it was a massive call. I think he he could and probably should have made it earlier for me, but he's made the decision now and it seems to be working. The team's on a winning run. We're not conceding soft goals anymore. So it's it's the right thing to have done. However, his problem now is that Nick Pope's also back. So... <laughs> Having made the big call to get rid of Joe Hart and bring back Tom Heaton, he's got to I'm make sorry, the same I'm sorry, this is a good decision. problem to have. Three quality goalkeepers. I'm sorry. It's, that's is a good it? problem. Is it? Well, I understand that Fulham have had their problems, but it's not like having three good strikers, is it, where the, the competition's a good thing and you swap yeah. them in because you want your goalkeepers to play all season. So having three good ones, for me, it's it's a bad problem because okay. I see two of them aren't going to be happy. Two of them aren't going to be happy. Burnley aren't a massively resourced club. Joe Hart's going to be on quite a large amount of money, even though we didn't pay a big fee for him. So suddenly we've got a, a lot of resource tied up in players that aren't going to be playing. Joe Hart presumably got some sort of um, some sort of assurances from Dash that he was going to get a crack. Fair play, he's played 15, 16, 17 Premier League games or something like that. So he's had a real run in the side. Nick Pope will rightly say last season when I came in after Heaton got injured, I was outstanding, one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. I went to the World Cup. I need to be the number one as well. So it's really in the balance at the minute. I suspect that Heaton will be in goal for the form game. Okay. Whether it's Pope or Hart that's on the bench remains to be seen. And yeah, I think it's it's certainly an issue that's gonna Daish is gonna keep being asked about it this month while the transfer window's open, let's put it that way. 
Well, listen, you make a strong point because my first thought is that, well, you know, you have these three quality players of, you know, that's a great problem to have. but You, you can't play them all, though, can you? You can't, so. and that's the counter to it, and that's why your argument blows mine out of the way, of course. You're, <laughs> you're right there, Jamie. I'm glad that you went back to me at that because you make perfect sense. I'm just looking at having, you know, that depth, and but when it comes to a goalkeeper, only one can play. So that obviously, I, I, that can be a problem. You are explaining how that could have been a problem this season for uh for Berlin all right let's um move on let's go back and talk about the match at the beginning of the season I know it's a very long time ago it's we're talking back in August Fulham are very different now because they have a different manager and uh they are in a very difficult situation so are Burnley, but um what did you get out of the first time the teams played we're talking way back in August yeah, I think uh, the Fulham game was a real example of the defensive problems that we've had for a lot of this season. Um, to concede four, and we all saw Fulham last season how good they were in attack, but to concede four to, to a newly promoted team, it's not what we expected from a team that finished seventh in the Premier League last season, kept a load of clean sheets and one of the most solid teams in the league. Um, I think it... I mean, talked about the Europa League before. I think it did have an impact that we had a draining trip to Greece a few days before. Dash was rotating the team at that point as well. And rotation is something that it's it's seen as a something that everyone does in modern football now. But Dash doesn't really do it unless he has to. And at this time of year, yeah, when there's a lot of games, he does it a bit more. But last season. And when we've been promoted under Daesh, you've known pretty much what the team's going to be every week. Unless there's injury suspensions, he doesn't change things unless he's had to. So at the start of the season where we were seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, totally different defence playing in Europe to the Premier League, I think that was jarring for for the supporters and for the team themselves. You don't get that rhythm if you play in a different team every week. So I think that had an impact the goals that we conceded in that game, I'm sure Fulham fans thought they were very well crafted because you always yep. do when your team scores a good goal. But from our point of view, incredibly soft goals that were very, very preventable. Um, but we know Fulham have got that threat, especially in the air with Mitrovic, who I'm yep. sure we'll talk about later in the show. So I think hopefully they've been looking at clips from that game this week around their training sessions and they'll need to learn the lessons from that match because our defending in that game was as bad, along with the Everton game, as we've been all season and probably under the six years that we've had with Dash and Charlie, we were that bad on that day. It's funny that you went right to the goals by phone because I think that's going to be something that we're going to talk about when we really get in and preview in this match because I see that as a potential way Fulham can win this match is how they played. I'm talking about the goals. not They, they play a different style. But how they set up those sure. goals, they still have the talent to do that. When we talk about breaking down the game, I think that's when we really need to get into it because I think that's where the game can be one lost or there be a draw is um, how you defend when Fulham attacks. But we'll get to, to that in just a bit. Let's now talk about key players for you in this upcoming match for Burnley against Fulham. Who has to play well for you to get all three points? Well, I think the, the defence needs to keep performing as well as they have done recently. Um, James Sarkowski is going to be quite an interesting one for this game because 
Um, as one of our better players, he's someone who underperformed really quite badly for a lot of the season so far. But since Tom Heaton came back into the goal, it is surprising because he almost went to the World Cup. He he would have had a chance to go if he hadn't had the injury and decided, I think he was on the standby list and then pulled out to to have an operation. So um, he had a real chance to go to the World Cup. And he, he earned that opportunity because he was outstanding last season, but he hasn't matched those performance levels this season. Uh, we've seen in the media over here, I don't know if it's had much play uh, over there, but there was a rumour that, that Liverpool wanted to sign Tarkovsky on loan this month. Wow. Liverpool obviously got a lot of defensive problems at the minute. Gomez is injured. Ironically, he got injured at the turf when Liverpool won there a few weeks ago. Wolverine's out in the minute as well. Matip's not fit. So they're looking to plug that gap and there was talk that Tarkovsky was going to be the man that wanted to do it. The fact that they wanted him on loan, if this rumour is true, is obviously farcical from our point of view. Why would we let one of our best players go out on loan when we're in exactly. a radiation battle? It makes no sense. No, it makes so, no sense. Uh, Dash laughed it off in his press conference, which he often does. He uses his humour as a distraction technique. We know this is one of the things that Sean Dash does when he yep. speaks to the media. But it will be interesting to see if Tarkovsky is affected by that rumour at all, whether it means that he pushes his performance levels up to try and impress Liverpool and maybe earn a permanent move. There's been talk that we want £50 million for him. On performances this season, it's a ludicrous amount of money, the sort of price tag that you put on a player to make everyone aware that he's absolutely not for sale. Yeah. Um, or the flip side is that he gets distracted and it, it plays on his mind that he might get the chance to go somewhere else. We saw a few years ago, Danny Ings was playing really well up front for us and his contract was running out. Liverpool were interested. Everyone knew that Liverpool were interested. And as soon as it, it sort of became common knowledge that Ings was probably going to sign for Liverpool at the end of the season, his performance levels just disappeared. Whether it was that he didn't want to get injured or he was trying to avoid getting hurt or he just subconsciously switched off because his future was secured. Whatever it was, things yeah. stopped performing. So the concern for us is that something similar happens to Zarkovsky. I don't think that there's anything like as much in this rumour okay. as there was the Danny Ains thing. I think it's probably just paper talk. But it sure. will be interesting to see yeah. how Zarkovsky reacts this weekend. I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm just going to say this. Forget about this match for just a minute. This is just me talking to you talking to a Burnley supporter. I don't want to sure. see that happen if, if if it was to come to fruition because I want to see Burnley keep their best players. I, I want to see the teams that are, you know, mid-table to in the relegation zone keep their key players and not just give them away to the big six. I don't want to see that. So I just want to say I hope that it's just a rumor. It doesn't go beyond that and that, Sean Dyche and Burnley should do everything that they can to hold on to the player. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, That's just I mean, my absolutely. strong view on that. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've obviously, it's happened to us before. Michael Keane sure. is a very good example. He was, at that time, we got relegated the season that Keane left. And he was too good for the championship. So it made sense for him to move on. But he maybe didn't choose the right club. Everson have been a bit of a shambles the last two or three years. He's gone from being one of the brightest young defenders in England to someone who's his form seems really good one week and then disastrous the next. And he's not really in the England setup anymore. And Tarkovsky's one of the players who's sort of jumps above him. So yeah. it goes to show that if you do move, you have to pick the right move. Oh, totally. But I think I think Leicester are a really good example of this that 
obviously they've got a lot more money than us and they've won the title, which obviously helps, but they've been able to keep more as a side. They've kept all their good players, really. They've managed to keep Jamie Vardy, even though Arsenal wanted to buy him. Kept Harry Maguire, even though they were Manchester United wanted to buy him. So they've been determined to keep those players and keep the group together. So yeah. I think the lesson is that if you want to be a club that can build, you have to make sure that you keep these players. And sometimes you just have to reject the big boys. Totally agree, Jamie. And, and uh, it's something that Fulham have been fairly good about. They've uh, rejected most moves like this from bigger sides. You know, I can't tell you how many teams have been after Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, again, uh, it's so funny to talk about this now. Ross McCormack, and you could talk about the situation <laughs> with him. But I can't tell you how many teams were after him because of all the goals that he had scored. And Fulham stayed true to themselves and did not buckle under the pressure. There was also Musa Dembele, the younger Musa Dembele, same situation that they yeah. they waited and they they decided not to sell him at, at the last minute, even though Tottenham wanted him badly because they Fulham wanted a, a reportedly a loan back and Tottenham just wanted to buy him outright and it never happened and thankfully they were able to keep McCormack and Dembele for that championship season when Fulham were close to relegation to League One. Those two guys keeping those players. That's why these decisions. Make no sense to me. Why would Burnley do that? And that's why I'm, I wanted just to say that for a few minutes, my friend. Let's move on. Let's now get into learning a little bit more about Burnley. We did this last time, so we're going to do it again. I want to go to you with strengths and weaknesses. I go to whoscored.com. I share them with you. And then you just tell me if they match up. I'll also give you style of play when I give you the strengths. This is what whoscored.com currently says about your team, Burnley. Strengths. Aerial duels and protecting the lead. It says style of play, attack through the middle, long balls, attempt crosses often, and aggressive. Does that describe strengths and style of play of Burnley? And if there's anything else you want to add, please do, Jamie. Uh, yeah, I think I broadly agree with that. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, a conflict maybe with uh, plays long balls through the middle and then puts a lot of crosses in because that's too totally different things. but yeah. Um, yeah, I think we are a direct team. There's not really any point in trying to pretend that we're not. Um, we'll almost certainly play two big strikers up front on Saturday. It'll probably be uh, Barnes and Wood seems to yep. be the preferred pairing. There's a chance that Barnes might play out wide, actually, because we've got problems with injuries and suspensions with the wheels at the minute. So it could even be a case that we've got two big strikers and then Ashley Barnes on the wing. Wow. So I think you'll, you'll certainly see us look to, to try and use that aerial power um, in attack. But in terms of crossing, I think I think one of the, the players that, that Ford we're really going to have to keep an eye on is Dwight McNeil, who's really emerged um, over the last couple of games. The same game that Dash made the decision to, to bring Keaton back for Hart Dwight McNeil's in the team as well. Teenage winger. Um, and he's made a, a fantastic impact over the last couple of games. Okay. I think he's he's a really bright talent and he gives us something really different to to what people expect from Berlin. You expect Berlin to be big and strong and physical and direct and all the things that we talked about from being on who's gone. And anyone who watches us knows that that, that tends to be the case. But in McNeil, we suddenly got a player who's very technical, very comfortable on the ball. He's got pace, which is something lacking in our team. So 
Uh, it gives us a real X factor. And I don't want to get carried away with this lad, but I think he's probably going to win about 100 England caps and wow. probably three or four Ballons d'Or. So, yeah, pretty <laughs> excited about him, really. Okay, very good there. Jamie, all right, let's uh, now go to weaknesses, according to whoscore.com. I'll start here with just weak, and then we'll end with very weak. This is what they say is weak, keeping possession of the ball, avoiding offside, stopping opponents from creating chances, defending against through ball attacks, defending set pieces. They say very weak, defending against attacks down the wings and defending against long shots. Okay. Does that describe the weaknesses of Burnley to you? Well, there's a lot there, isn't there? So, yeah. <laughs> I think um, yeah. certainly early in the season, I think a lot of that was true. Uh, long shots long shots is an interesting one to start with because last season when people tried to explain Burnley's success using statistics, it didn't really work because we <laughs> deliberately allowed a lot of shots. That's part of our game. Sure. Our whole plan was that we had the low block, and then midfielders sat really close to the defence. So there wasn't any space around the Burnley box. We were happy to defend crosses last season because we were good at it. Um, So we gave teams two choices. You can go round the wing and put crosses in, which will defend, or you can take long shots. And we defended them both very well last season. What we've seen this year is that we haven't really done that. Whether it's a case of the personnel being different with the goalkeeper change or the fact that the team hasn't been pressing as hard, so there's been more space. Whatever it is, long shots and crosses have suddenly been a lot more effective against us. Uh, what were some of the other ones? I've forgotten. There were so many. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem there, Jamie. There were a decent amount of them, but, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm not reading the form ones, but I'm just telling you that there are a decent amount of form too. But uh, I'll go back and I'll I'll look at the weaknesses for you. It said, like we talked about, keeping possession of the ball, avoiding offside, stopping opponents from creating chances, defending against through ball attacks, defending set pieces, and uh, defending against attacks down the wings and defending against long shots. Those were the very weak. The right, last yeah. So the set pieces, similarly, it, it seems to have been a problem with the way that we've been set up. But okay. the last couple of games with Heat and organising the defence again, that seems to have been a big change. Keeping possession, that has always been a bit of a problem for us in the Premier League. We always seem happier when we don't have the ball. We don't really have players to unpick the opposition defences. So we've seen a lot of games at Turf Moor this season where teams have worked out a little bit and they know that they can let us have the ball and we can keep it, but we're not really going to do anything with it. And then they can hit us on the break and we're wide open. So we've gone from last season, we were doing that to teams even at home. And now teams have realised that they can do it to us. So um, I think that's still probably going to be an issue. It'll be interesting to see what form do because they're obviously a team that like to be on the ball. And I think that will probably suit us because we'll be quite happy to let form have it. Um, and the player that we really miss when it comes to possession is Stephen Defoe. He's probably going to be out again at the weekend. I don't think there's been any yep. positive update on him for a while. Um, last season, the first half of the season when we were going really well, Defoe was our best player. He's probably one of the best players we've ever had, really. Um, He's a player Fulham wanted good. years ago, so I understand yeah. that. I remember Fulham were after him five or six years ago. 
yeah, he's injury prone, and that's the only reason why we've been able to sign him. If he was fit all season and able to play 30, 40 games, then he'd be at the top club, I think. But the fact that you can't rely on him and he might play six games in a row and then be out for two months, or he might get back to full fitness and then get another injury and be out for a month, so you can never rely on being able to pick him. When he's fit, it's a bonus now. Um, but it's a problem when he's he's our best midfielder, so yep. um, you, you can't expect that he's going to be available. It okay. does mean that there's more pressure on players like Jack Cook and Ashley Westwood, who then have to sort of step up and fill that creativity gap. Westwood, by the way, has been outstanding the last couple of games, so he's another really key player okay. to watch. I've not always been his biggest fan, but he's really taken on more responsibility in the last couple of games. Okay, excellent, Jamie. I do have to mention this because I didn't give you all the Burnley weaknesses, and there were seven of them. There were seven for Fulham, too. And by the way, they don't list any strengths, so there you go. On that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, no strengths. None. None. Good. No strengths. None. So, so that makes me feel real good. Anyway, let's move on. Let me get just your thoughts on Fulham, and then I'm going to share something because you talked about how you remember Fulham playing. They play differently now, but Give me your just overall impression on Fulham. Yeah, I've always quite liked Fulham. Um, I don't know why. Maybe just games when I was younger they've left a positive impression on me. I'm not sure. Um, and I really like Claudio Ranieri, obviously. He's uh, yep. very charismatic. He obviously captured the world's imagination when Leicester won the title. He always had a soundbite. Uh, I'm a journalist, so he's brilliant for us because he gives fantastic quotes that's an extra bonus he's a, a, a dream to write <laughs> sure that. full of absolutely fantastic witticisms and some of the things he says you're just like what are you on about so I really like Claudio Ranieri um, and I think it's good to see no disrespect intended at all but smaller clubs in the Premier League there's a lot of people who would say Leeds United should be in the Premier League Sheffield Wednesday should be in the sure. Premier League sure. Forest should be in the Premier League well if those clubs have been run properly then they'd be in the Premier League. You can't just run the Premier League on attendances. And that seems to be what people want to do. If you've got yep. 30,000, 35 people, 35,000 people coming to your stadium, they think it automatically means you should be in the Premier League. That's not how it works. That's not how our league system works. Right. Burnley are in the Premier League because we deserve to be in the Premier League. We earned that place. Exactly. Just because we're a small town and we don't have a lot of money doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to do that. Obviously, Fulham have got money, but... It's the same sort of thing. It's a, a oh, it totally club, is, Jamie. Huge number of clubs that you're competing with in London. You're talking about a Saturday afternoon, things to do in London, as well as go to watch Fulham. There's millions of things that you could do instead. So I think there are some similarities between Burnley and Fulham. And Trevor Cottage, obviously, sure. there's been a lot of work, a lot of redevelopment there. But like the turf, it's a very characterful stadium and yeah. one of the best places to watch football in the country, I think. Right, and there's nothing wrong with being a smaller club, and we're both small clubs, and I'm not afraid no, to say it's that. What makes, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's what makes football more interesting. If it yeah. was just explaining each other all the time, where's the fun in that? The whole point is games like, when, games like a couple of seasons ago when we beat Man City 1-0 when they were champions. That's games that make the Premier League so exciting. It's games like that where... The little boys with no money upset the billionaires. Right. That's why people say the Premier League is the best league in the world. So and, when and people talk about memories that will always stay with you, Jamie. That, that right, exactly. So when people talk about oh, Burnley shouldn't be in the Premier League, you just want to say, well, we're part of what makes the Premier League great. Totally agree. That's a really good point. Before we talk about 
your thoughts on key players for Fulham. I want to go back and talk about the uh, situation with Fulham. You mentioned Ranieri, and, and I want to talk about how Fulham have changed a little bit, just so you understand. Fulham are now counterattacking. Think of Ranieri oh, no. with Leicester City. <laughs> and we're not Leicester City, so let's just get that straight. It's not just like it was under Leicester City because we don't have a Jamie Vardy. Let's just put it there. But sure. he is setting us up in a counterattacking style. So Fulham do not have the possession that they normally had under Jokanovic. So things are different now. So keep that in mind when, when you project forward going into this match. They're going to look at this differently than they did the first time they played because they're playing differently. They also recently went to using three center backs. So, you know, again, it could be, say, like a 3-4-3, three, three, you know, a variation of that five at the back, obviously at certain points, it could be more like five at the back against Burnley. But Fulham do play differently now. And uh, so that's what makes this a little bit different for, say, Sean Dyche and Burnley, is that he has to look at it a little bit differently because we're not going to be looking to possess the ball like we did the first time we played. So I just want to share that with you. Sure. Um, I don't think I've seen Fulham play since Ranieri took charge, actually, so... That's something that I wasn't really aware of. I didn't realize yeah. there'd been that big a change. Obviously, I've seen him talking about um, the lack of clean sheets, and he was obviously desperate oh. to get <laughs> desperate to sort out the the defensive situation. Yeah. When you come yeah. into a club that's struggling and yep. they've been conceding a lot and results have been bad, that's obviously the, the first thing that you do. Back when Dash took charge at Turf Moor, the six right, years, you have to get the foundation. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't win football matches unless you keep clean sheets. Really, right. so. He's absolutely right to do that. Right. Um, it does make me wonder what we're in store for. Well, that's Saturday why because... I wanted to bring this up, Jamie, because yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to play out because the way Fulmer set up now is that they want to beat you on the counter. And I think Burnley wants to beat Fulham on the counter. So how is this going to play out? The one thing that I will tell you is that in the last couple matches, we have seen more pressing from Fulham. The second half against Huddersfield Town, they finally started to press Huddersfield Town and cause problems for Huddersfield Town. That's probably how they ended up winning the match. We actually saw that against Arsenal. Even though the scoreline says 4-1, to one, that was flattering to Arsenal because Fulham gave a lot of problems to Arsenal. But it, it, it also sets up this match coming up because I'm not exactly sure how both sides are going to play this because Fulham are not the same team you saw at Craven Cottage. The, they still have the, the same players, but they're playing it differently. So it's fascinating to see how Ranieri's going to set his team up and how and what is his um you know strategy gonna be. Because right. I would think that he would stick with what has been working lately. So this could be just who blinks first, Jamie. It could be. Um it it, it is a tough one to call because the oldest is normally on the home team to do the attacking. And- right. Normally, you would say that we would do that, but in this game, obviously, Fulham probably need the points more than us. It's obviously a massive game yes. for us and the sort of game that you'd look at and think, if we're going to stay up, is the sort of we really need to win. But we're not in the bottom three right now. It might only be a couple of points, but we're not in the bottom three. If it was a draw, that wouldn't be a disaster for us. Sure. Whereas... Now, this is a massive match for Fulham. You're 100% right about that. Sure. Um, so I think I think Burnley will be on the front foot and will probably try and make a fast start. It's something that we've not 
succeeded in doing a lot this season, to be honest. We've found ourselves down 2-0 early in way too many games. Um, and Dash's response to that is often to try and just lock it down and make sure that we're in the game for a lot longer. Um, but I'm not sure that's the right way to go. I think even though form have been better defensively, I think we still have to look at it as a team that's conceded a lot of goals this season. We have to believe that we can get at that defence uh, and really cause them problems. Right. Uh, and so that's like what makes this very interesting, Jamie, because oh. this, for me, is really a chess match of how both of these managers are going to approach this because you make some very good points. Fulham need the match. You would think that they would come in with the attitude that they need to come at Burnley, but I don't know if that's going to be the approach. I think it'll be a little bit differently. Well, it's going to be very different than what you saw the first time. I I think that Fulham want to counter quickly, but like I've said, they have shown the ability lately to – press and to, to to be more aggressive going after the team when they had the ball. And maybe that's going to be the approach from Fulham. But I don't know, you know, again, th- this could be how both managers look at this, how they want to approach it and how the players approach it. It could be it could be a very boring match, Jamie. I, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. being honest. I, I really don't know. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe Fulham decide they need it so badly that they just come out and they and and they go after Burnley, but that just hasn't been the approach under Ranieri. So that's what you know. It, it's playing mind games with myself because I'm I'm just not sure what to expect from both teams. But let me ask you, just even with me sharing all that information to you, what player or players concern you for Fulham from a Burnley perspective? Well, I think having seen the the game earlier in the season, I think Mitrovic is obviously. A player that Burnley have to be really aware of. He's obviously very, very strong in the air. The sort of striker that traditionally Burnley have always defended well against because our defenders are very good in the air as well. So that he caused us so many problems at the Costage early in the season was a real concern for me and a real sort of red flag that it was going to be a tough season because we just didn't cope. Yeah. Uh, he, he could have had four or five that game. Fulham could have had six or seven. Four two was really flattering to us. So Mitrovic. If we defend how we have in the last couple of games, then hopefully we'll handle him a lot better. Um, he is also very combustible. We've seen that throughout his career. He's got a very, he's got a temper that he sometimes struggles to control. Uh, this season, he seems to have kept it under. I was going to say he's kept it in check his time at form, believe it or not. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, Tarkovsky's the sort of defender. He certainly doesn't <laughs> mind mixing it with. Uh, strikers we've seen, sure. I think, the Brighton game last season, Glenn Murray had a lot of tangles with him, so that could certainly be one to watch. The other player that I'm really worried about because of sheer pace, and we don't defend pace at all, is Sessegnon. Yeah. I think he's Obviously, a key he's for football, I agree with you. Yeah, I think everyone expects Sessegnon to go on and have a wonderful future and play for top clubs, play in the Champions League, play for England. Uh, so I think it's it's only a matter of time until he hits those levels. Obviously, he's young and inconsistent. He's going to be a problem. So we just sure. have to hope he has a bad game, really, because we don't have a lot of pace at the back. So as much as we'll normally defend quite deep, we have a deep defensive line to cover that lack of pace. If you get assessed on him behind, we just don't be able to catch him. Okay. And I'm glad that you've singled him out because I think he's 
going to be a huge part of uh, Fulham tomorrow. I think he's going to be important along with Mitro. But, you know, talking about pace, because, again, if going back to the Arsenal match, Ryan Sessegnon had two chances to score in the first half. If he scores on one of them, then the match is completely different against Arsenal. I know that's crazy to say, but the way you were talking about it, Jamie, bright future, but he's still young and he's inconsistent. I think in a few seasons, those um, opportunities to say against Arsenal will be goals. It's just he needs that maturity of playing at the top level. It reminds me me a lot of Raheem Sterling. He looked at Sterling a couple of years ago. Look at him now. Yeah, he had everything in his locker, but he couldn't finish and his decision-making was bad. So he'd get into really good positions, but then he'd almost become paralysed with not knowing whether to shoot or cross or pass. And yeah. often he'd just do a combination of none that just didn't really work. And if sure. he got a clear-cut chance, he, he didn't have the instinct. Whereas now, Pep Guardiola's coached him to a level where he finishes brilliantly, he does the unexpected, he makes good decisions. So I think Sterling's the sort of player that Sessegnon can really look at and go, if I want to become the sort of total package, this is what I need to do. Yeah. What's good about him is that he has an incredible mind for the game, and his decision-making is actually really good. It's just his finishing at this point isn't the greatest, and that hopefully will come in time. All right, my friend, we got to wrap this up. Let's get to predictions before I get your prediction for the match. I'm going to ask you this two ways, how each team can win this match. Let's start with Burnley. How do they win this match? I think we have to play like we have for the last couple of games and treat it as a a chance to keep this winning run going. Confidence should be high. Um, We've got some momentum behind us now. Injuries probably going to be a problem. It looks like we're going to have a problem on the wing. We've only really got one fit winger, McNeil, I was talking about. Uh, So so we have one winger and he's... 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid is obviously a worry. And it's not clear he's going to play right back either. So a couple of problems with the team selection. But I think we'll try and be on the front foot, make a positive start. The way Fulham win the game is probably the same way they won the game in August. Um, So as much as we talked about Fulham's style changing, I'm sure Ranieri's fully aware of how you exploited our weaknesses. Yes. So... um, it would probably be wise to follow a, a similar blue, blueprint to that, really. It's funny because I went back and I watched the highlights of that match and, uh, you know, and looked at what the weaknesses are, and they kind of match up to Burnley, you know, what how we played in that match to what's been going on with Burnley. So uh, I do agree with what you're saying. It's just I'm just not sure of what team to expect at Turf Moor from Fulham. I, I you know, I would like to believe it would be a on the front foot approach, but that just hasn't been Ranieri. You know, he wants them to yeah. be aggressive, but in the counter, and he wants them probably to be aggressive when you have the ball to to cause turnovers. But I don't know if he's going to say to his team, you know, what we got to take the ball, we got to possess the ball, we got to take it to him. It, I just haven't seen that. So we what I would say on this, what yeah. I would say on this is, I think um, when you're around the bottom of the table, I think managers are so important and having a really good manager can make the difference. I think Ranieri is yeah. a fantastic appointment. And oh, if I anyone agree. can get you out of that mess, he can. And what will 
play a key role, not just in Saturday, but in the rest of the season. It changes mid-game. Ranieri's obviously got a reputation as the tinker man in yeah. the commerce oh, from when he was at Chelsea and changed the team all the time. But he will make changes during the game. Yeah. But we won't. So if you oh, make a change that, that we don't really react to, that could be a, a way for Forbes to win the game. Because okay, we he's are very, done that already. That's very Yeah, we're very set in. Okay. We start the game playing a certain way, and it's very, very unusual for us to change. Okay. Either That's interesting. make a radical change to personnel or tactics or system or anything. We tend to start and finish games in basically the same way. So any opposition wow. manager that sees how a game is going and is good enough and has the right players to to change the system or tweak the tactics has a real advantage over us because for all Daesh's good things, one of his faults is that he doesn't seem capable of changing games. Okay, and what I would call him, and uh, this is with a different sport, a different team that follow, you know, while we call teams that you just described, do what we do. They basically right. do what we do, right? You know, they yeah. don't really change things. They, This is who they are and this is how they play. So, and yeah. like you mentioned, with Ranieri, he's certainly not afraid to tinker. He's done that. He's changed he's changed things at halftime. He's changed things a little bit beyond that. So he's not afraid if things aren't working to make the changes. So that's very interesting that you say that, Jamie. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's go to predictions. First, your prediction. Well, I'm terrible at predictions, to be honest. I've been looking at previous so meetings. Don't worry about that. So there's, been, there's been loads and loads of goals, haven't there? Obviously, loads of goals over the season. The last time we were in the same league, loads of yeah. goals in both games. I don't think that's probably going to be the case this time. I think you're right, Ranieri will probably set up, try and keep it tight. We're going to want to keep another clean sheet if we can. So I wouldn't rule ICB being nil-nil, to be honest. But uh, I'm reasonably confident about our chances, I've got to be honest. I think okay. the momentum's with us right now. Sure. Um, we seem more solid at the back. So if it was 1-0, I think that would not be a huge shock. Okay, very good. I'm going to read the results of a poll I did earlier. I, I did this late, so I usually get a lot more votes. But I've had 127 votes on the Cottage okay. Talk Twitter page. What is your prediction for Fulham against Burnley? So the, this isn't like a huge amount, but it's you know it, it's still a right. decent amount of votes. When was it 41%? Loss was at 39%, so it's pretty close yeah. there. And draw was at 20%. And uh, there are also comments on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. just don't have time to read them, but they're pretty split. Uh, they're split in all three different results there it could it could go either way so Fulham supporters are very nervous about this match as we talked about Jamie Fulham need to win this match now after the Oldham embarrassment and that's what I'm going to call it, it was a complete and utter embarrassment when you talked about the Everton match it reminded me of that now obviously this is an FA Cup match Fulham did not play all of their starters to begin the match they they gave some French players a chance but they were embarrassed at Craven Cottage as they lost to Oldham. Yeah. Very, it was extremely embarrassing. So there are two ways to look at that. You could say, oh, that's going to be a trend, or that can actually be the bottom, the utter bottom. Well, I'm a glass half full guy, Jamie, so I'm going to say that this is the <laughs> bottom because I've seen before that glimpses of what foam can be. I saw that against Arsenal. I saw in the second half against Huddersfield Town, it hasn't been horrible under Ranieri. I could see it coming together. It, it just hasn't clicked yet. And after the older match, I'm going to be honest with you, I got upset because 
of how people were reacting to it. So I made a bold prediction. I'm not going back on my bold prediction, Jamie. I'm not. I'm going to stick with this. I said about a week ago, Fulham would win 3-1 to one at wow. Turf Moor. So I'm sticking with it. Do I feel confident at this point? I wouldn't use the word confident, but I'm going to stick <laughs> with my prediction. I'm just, I'll say it that because Fulham need the match. They need all yeah. three points. So that's kind of where I'm going on it. I was getting, you know, let's just say um, disappointed with some of the comments after the older match, and I just threw this out there, and I, I have to own it, Jamie. So yeah. I'm going to stick with three to one, but understand where it's coming from. But I'm going to I'm going to stick with three to one to Fulham, and we'll see what happens. And that also goes with some of the weaknesses you were talking about, going back and watching the first time the teams played. I know that they're different how Fulham are playing. The players are still the same. They still have the talent to score those types of goals. So, you know, and, and really get Mitrovic involved. And I think he is a huge key in this match. But we shall see. Jamie, listen, we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for doing this with me. No worries, mate. It's always a pleasure. All right. Great. Please tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter if they want to follow you. Yeah, well, if you've not had enough of me over the last half an hour or whatever it's been, you can uh, follow me on Twitter as well. I'm sure we'll all be doing some tweets about the game over the weekend. Get me at Jamie Smith Sport on Twitter. All right. Well, listen, Jamie, it's been a pleasure talking to you, but we do have to wrap this up. For my guest, Jamie Smith, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.